A psalm of David, when he fled from Absalom his son. O Lord, how many are my foes! Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, There is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You breathe the teeth, you break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. This is the word of God. Yeah, thank you, brother, for uh, reading God's word for us. When you have become a Christian and have become to believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, you know that you are no longer your own, but you are from God, his property. He takes care of you, and you don't need to live for yourself to serve yourself, no, God will take care of you, you may trust him, and you may live for his glory by serving others, loving others, uh, and so on. Now, if you have become a Christian, and you want to serve the Lord, for instance, by doing your best for your studies, or being a good colleague on your work, or serve your family, I think we all at times feel that what we do and how we want to serve or to contribute is not always seen. Sometimes it's overlooked, it's not appreciated, or even, well, sometimes you feel that it's really the opposite. If you feel like that, or if you have ever felt like that, you may wonder, how should I go on? I mean, I want to serve them, I want to contribute something, but what if it's not appreciated? If they don't like it, if they even hate it, then how could you go on? How could you survive all the feelings that it brings along? Today we will look at a psalm, Psalm 3, and we will learn that David, the one who wrote this psalm, as well as the people of God of all times, as well as Jesus, they all have had the similar feelings. So, most of all, think of Jesus our Lord. What did he do to serve us? to bring salvation to this world. But was he appreciated when he hung upon the cross, when he did this all? However, we see that Jesus persevered and uh, was not giving up. 
Now, our question could be, how was Jesus able to persevere, to go on when he was not appreciated but rejected by man? How did he do this? Now, Jesus, since he was young, he learned his psalms as a tool for prayer. Past weeks, we have been learning that the book of Psalms is a book of hymns and prayers that help us to pray, that learn us to pray and to find strength in God through these prayers. In Psalm 1 and 2, two psalms that belong together, we, so to say, heard two choirs singing. The choir started with singing, how blessed, how happy. And the choir ended with singing, how blessed, how happy. So it seems that it was needed that we would hear this, oh, how happy are those, because otherwise we might not have seen it. So the book of Psalms begins with a sort of a gate and it invites you to enter in and to walk the pathway behind after the anointed king. But it seems that this pathway of denying yourself, of walking that path, that, 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 that this is a sad way. It would not attract you unless you hear this choir singing, how blessed, how blessed are they. So, so to say, these psalms, Psalm 1 and 2, invite you to come behind that man who had the law of God in his heart, who wanted to do the will of God, not his own will, but the will of God. And you see, first it seems he's very lonely, but in the end, this man is like a tree planted by the water streams, and his life is very fruitful. His life is a tree of life. And then in the second psalm, we are all invited, whoever we are, to, to join this king and to go this pathway. Now today, Psalm 3, in fact, is the first real prayer in the book of Psalms. So 1 and 2 are, so to say, the introduction for the book of Psalms. In Psalm 3, the first prayer is sung or spoken. And we hear here um, King David in great need. Let us today first see how this psalm, how this prayer works and applies to David. Then let's move on how this psalm is fulfilled in Jesus, how this psalm is also Jesus' psalm. And then let's end with seeing how this psalm helps us to pray and to survive and to get through difficult times. So first, let's look at David. Now, David knew something about this, about being rejected, not to be appreciated. I mean, David, see how he serves King Saul. He's doing his best for this king, but is he appreciated? Not at all. He was persecuted many times. He had to fear for his life. He had to flee many times. It took a long time before David would become king. Then, when David is king, you think, well, he is enthroned, so from now on his kingdom will be peaceful and joyful and everything will be fine. But if you read these stories in the second book of Samuel, you see it's far from. He's got a lot of family troubles and a lot of um, troubles in his kingdom. Now, in these circumstances, David wrote this prayer 
and later on when he designed his hymn book, he would decide to place this hymn as the first prayer. By the way, I see some similarity with Jesus. Before Jesus was enthroned, think of Ascension Day and of Easter, before Jesus was enthroned, he had to face many hardships. And then when Jesus is enthroned, you think, well, now it's time to restore the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom of God, but a lot of hardship would follow until this day. So maybe this psalm is very good for us as well, indeed. Now let's have a look at the circumstances of this psalm. Uh, It was written when the son of David, Absalom, had rebelled against his father and wanted to be the king instead of his father. Now, of course, David felt very sad about that, about what his son did, and also that the people followed Absalom. I mean, David had tried to do so much good for his people, but Where is their thankfulness? They all come behind Absalom. There are only a few who want to continue to follow David and go with him when he flees and leaves Jerusalem. How sad for David. But David did not only feel sad for himself, that he was not appreciated. No, David felt sad because he saw that if Absalom would be the king of Israel, Absalom was not a lover of God not a man who loved the law of God. So finally, the people of God would not be blessed by this king. This was also the concern of David. So this is the situation in which uh, David wrote this psalm, this prayer. Now, as I said, sometimes it may seem that the way behind Christ to deny yourself, to contribute, although people don't, do not appreciate it, sometimes it seems that it's a dark way. You might not like it. However, we already heard the choirs singing, blessed, blessed, go on, enter in through this gate. It's a good way. Now, this first prayer um, continues with that. If you look at the way David structured it, it is poetry, and Hebrew poetry works a bit different from, for instance, English poetry. You can make poetry uh, with rhyme, of course, but there are more ways to make poetry. In fact, I think if you look at the structure of this psalm, you will see light. It is as if David wants to say this pathway Behind the Messiah, this pathway of the Word of God is a way of light. Have you seen a Jewish light, a Jewish menorah? And you see this this is a lamp with uh, seven arms, one in the middle, three on the left, three on the right. Now, if we have a look at the structure, if you have a Bible with you, you can look at it with me, then you will see that this psalm is carefully structured to form a sort of a menorah with a verse in the middle, three on the left, three on the right. To say it a bit more down to earth, uh, you could compare this with a hamburger. (laughs) Don't hope that offends you. I I think I borrowed this from Brother Bob, perhaps, this idea of the hamburger. (laughs) So if you have a hamburger, you first have the bread, uh, then the tomato, then the cheese, then the burger, (laughs) then you come back to the cheese, the tomato, and then the bread. So... There's also seven, seven points and the burger in the midst. Now, now, let's have a look 
at the structure. First, what do we see? We see a king, he flees. So that's the bread. The king flees. He has to leave the city, the country. The king flees. Then we see what the king sees around him. So here's the tomato. Around him he sees many foes, uh, many enemies. Many rise against him. Many say there is no salvation for him in God. That's the tomato. Many enemies. Then we go to the cheese. David does not only look around him, he also looks to God. And what does he have in God? First, he has a shield that's very helpful. When these words come to you, he has no salvation in God. These words are like arrows, but God is your shield. So God protects you from these words. Now, many rise against you. They look down on you. They make you feel ashamed, put to shame. But God is your honor. He is awake for your glory. And then you have many enemies. So you think there's no future. You let your head bow down. No future for me. But God is the lifter of your head. Do you see the cheese? So this is what he has in God. So we see a king. We see what the king sees around him. Then we see what the king sees when he looks at God. Now we come to the middle, the burger. <laughs> um, I cried aloud to the Lord and he answered me from his holy hill. This is the middle. It's prayer. The king cries out with his voice. It literally says he cries out to God. And yes, this king is not his own. This king knows he is owned by God. He has a God who hears him. Remember Psalm 2, where God says, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. Verse 8, ask of me, he says to the king. Now, that is prayer. That is what happens here. So he cries to God. And yes, God, the creator of the universe, hears. This is the middle the, the burger, the, the, the middle lamp of the, of the menorah. Now let's see what happens. Back to the cheese, but now verse 5. Well, if God is your shield protecting you, you can lay down. And if God is awake for your honor, then you can sleep. He is awake, you can sleep. And if God is the lifter of your head, then, yeah, God will wake you up and you will be fresh again. The Lord has sustained you. He is there. So that's the cheese again. Now back to the tomato. There were many enemies. And now after prayer, David says, I will not be afraid of many enemies, of many thousands of people who set themselves against me all around. So they rise up against him, but David knows he can ask his, his God, Arise, O Lord! They say he has no salvation. David can confess salvation belongs to the Lord. David knows that his God is with him. 
So if the enemy is like a lion, like a predator, what has God done? The, the enemy is not gone after the prayer, but if the lion uh, has been beaten on his cheek, he's very, he has pain in his cheek, and all his teeth have, have, have been removed, well, you may still be scared of the lion, but this, the lion can't kill you anymore. And if you cry for your shepherd, then your shepherd can help you and he will defeat the lion. Now, last point, the bread again. Again, How does the psalm end? Your blessing be on your people. Now, if you would hear this psalm in, in Hebrew, then you would hear in the first verse, when there is written that David fled, the word for fled is barach. The psalm ends with your blessing be on your people. Barach, again, you write it different, but it sounds the same. So the psalm started with a king fleeing, cursed, rejected, but it ends with blessing for the people. And that is exactly what David longed for. He loved his people. That they rejected him was not only a sad thing for himself, it was sad for his people, for he longed for the blessing of God for his people. Okay, so this is, so to say, this, the, the, the careful poetry of this psalm. But this may be a bit much to remember. Let's, let's summarize it a bit. Perhaps if you have, in, in some translations you see the word sila. Now whole books have been written about what does sila mean. And I, I, I'm afraid I can't give you the answer. But it seems to me that the sila uh, is exactly on those places where, well, one part of the psalm is, uh, is, is, is ended. See how it works? The first verses, until the first Selah, speak about the circumstances of the king. He is rejected. He's not appreciated. And if you will go with this king, well, you will despised, be despised as well. You don't know what your future will be like. So these are the circumstances of the king. Now read further until the second Selah in verse 4. Then you hear the confidence of the king. Though his circumstances are, so to say, like Job, he has confidence that God is faithful. He prays and, and trusts his case to God. And then if you read the rest of the psalm until verse 8, the last Selah, then you see the comfort that comes from God. So he tells his circumstances, to God, he confesses his confidence in God, and then he receives his comfort from God. And of what does this comfort consist? Three things. The first thing he mentions, so to say, is bed rest. So he could go to sleep, he could go to bed, and then rise fresh with new, fresh strength. What a gift of God is that. When you pray, you're worried, concerned about many things, you can pray, you can lay down, you're blessed by sleep, and you wake up and the world looks different. The circumstances are still there, but God strengthened you. So the first thing as comfort from God is bed rest. Then the second thing is boldness. So yes, the enemies are still there, but 
David has received, so to say, the power of the Holy Spirit. He's no longer afraid. No, he's bold. He knows these enemies, these, this roaring lion can't defeat him because God is with him. So he can proclaim the kingdom of God again. Boldness. And then the last thing that he mentions is blessing over his people. He knows that God will continue to be faithful and to bless his people forever. So, a prayer of David in very sad circumstances, rejected, but confident in God. And then through prayer, he regains his freshness, his boldness, his confidence for blessing over God's people. Now, of course, this psalm invites us to pray with this psalm, but first, be aware, as in any psalm, that all the psalms have been prayed by Jesus. Jesus knew these psalms from childhood. And have you, by the way, also seen, I want to ask your attention for that, that this whole hymn book, this whole psalm book, is not a book wherein the prayers just have been dashed, uh, like here's Psalm 23, we like it, Psalm 121, we like it, uh, and so on. No, one is followed by two, two is followed by three. They form a pathway. It starts in a lot of trouble, it will be a long way, and it ends in all praise, new heavens, new earth. So it's the invitation to walk this pathway, one by one, to learn to pray. Now back to Jesus. Jesus has known this psalm when Jesus was becoming aware of the world that he was born into. You remember in Bethlehem, the baby? Remember what happened to the children? Remember his life, how they looked at him? He wanted to contribute to heal people, to love people, to give them good teaching about God. Was it appreciated? We know better. See his way, how he goes to the cross. How many were his enemies? In the end, everybody was looking down on Jesus. No, his way will not be the way of salvation. Where is his help? See how he hangs on the cross and how he cries out. He knows he is the Son of God. He knows the Father hears him. He committed his case to God and then he could bow down his head. He could sleep in the grave and God would rise him. And yes, he would give his disciples, his people, boldness. He would give them the Holy Spirit. Yes, many would their enemies be when they proclaimed the kingdom of Jesus. The history of the church most of the time has not been a story of people favoring that story. No, no. They would think of it as very wrong, not the right way, old-fashioned, or whatever. But God would give the Holy Spirit so that they could proclaim the kingdom with boldness and could continue to pray, Arise, O God! Help us against our enemies. Salvation belongs to you. If you read the book of Revelation, by the way, you hear this song again and again and again. Salvation belongs to our God. It is continually sung. And then, in the end, you see, because the king was rejected, because the king suffered on the cross, 
blessing comes upon God's people. Now, this is a personal question for you too. Have you come to see this? We are not the people that God would have wanted to see in this world. We were not the people with God's law, God's will in our heart. We would not be the people that did the things God wanted and contributed. We all have our sins in this. Jesus hadn't. Jesus lived the perfect life. And he took upon him what we deserved. When we do not obey God, like Adam and Eve, we have to leave paradise. We have to go out. But when Jesus dies on the cross, he takes upon him what we deserved. Because he wanted to give us what was his, namely blessing, sonship eternal life, God as a shepherd, and so on. So, do you know this king? He invites you. Psalm 2 says, blessed are all who take refuge in him. You can pray and cry to Jesus. Although there are many sins in your life, you can ask, Lord, I want to take refuge in you. Can you forgive my sins? Can you renew me? Can you help me to follow you? And he is so willing to hear. So in this way, through Jesus, we are invited to believe in Jesus Christ and to follow him. And yes, then still, first of all, you will be very happy. For instance, when you're baptized, you think, well, things will be fine forever now. You're so happy that you have come to know the Lord as your shepherd. But soon in your life, you will find out that when you want to serve, to contribute, to love others... It will not, always be, will not always be appreciated. But then you have this prayer, this psalm, as a wonderful prayer to help you. So how shall we use this psalm? Psalms are tools to be used. You can use them for your prayers. One by one they will help you to grow in prayer and to walk with God and to survive and get through all your difficulties. That's what psalms are for. Now, how could we use this psalm? Let me uh, tell you three things. First, you can listen to this psalm. You can hear it and humble yourself. You can hear this psalm and humble yourself. Let us be aware that to look down on the way of God and the contribution of God it's not only something others are doing against us, but it is within us. So many times the Lord speaks to us, but we will think, no, no, I know better. So God says, you should do this or shouldn't do that. And we say, no, no, I know better. Many times we all in some way reject the word of God the Christ of God, the Spirit of God. If God opens our eyes, we see that. We think, oh, how patient is God that he didn't cast me away for all that I did. The more you walk with God, the more you will see that. How many times we stumble and fail, not trust God, but speak against him, not follow him, not obey him. So hear this psalm and be aware we are part of all those who reject God's messianic king. Let's humble ourselves and, and go to him with a confession 
and say, I'm so sorry. Do you want to forgive me? There is a disease in me. My ears were so deaf. My eyes were so blind. My heart was so hardened to do your will. My feet were like the feet of the lame. And my sin is like, well, like leprosy. But Jesus, you were a good doctor, a healer. You were able to rise the dead. So I come to you. Heal me and forgive me, cleanse me, renew me, that I may have ears to hear, eyes to see, a heart that is willing to do your will, feet that want to go your way. Give me the purity of your Holy Spirit, the cleansing of your blood. What a good psalm. First to hear and to humble ourselves. But then be aware this psalm is to be sung indeed. God's people throughout all ages of Old Testament and New Testament have been singing this psalm. So, second way we can use this psalm is sing it and sever Jesus' heart. It's very good to sing it and while singing to sever what was in the heart of Jesus. If you read the Gospels, Then you can find the words of Jesus. Then you can see the deeds of Jesus. But have you ever wondered what was in the heart of Jesus? For instance, when he hung upon the cross. Now the book of Psalms is a book for the heart. It tells you what was in the heart of the Messiah. So if you sing this psalm, then you come close to his heart. When he was hanging upon the cross, how many are my enemies? You hear how he was made frightened and scared. But also you hear how he sings his confidence in God. You are my shield. You are my honor. You are raising my head. So singing this psalm, you come close to the heart of Jesus. When he cries out to God, when he regains his boldness, how wonderful is that? By the way, you do not only come close to the heart of Jesus then... 2,000 years ago, but you come close to the heart of Jesus now in heaven. Jesus is ascended. He is in heaven. What's he doing there? When you read the New Testament, you see he is our priest. He prays for us. He identifies with us. What would Jesus pray now when he is in heaven? Have you ever thought about that? Could it be that He, together with the saints in heaven and the angels, is praying a psalm. Have you ever thought of that? Could you imagine the risen Jesus in heaven praying, O Lord, how many are my foes to his Father? You think, his foes are no longer there. Well, his foes are no longer there, but he identifies with his body on earth. When they persecute his body... It is, they persecute him. They threaten him. Remember the conversion of Saul on the way to Damascus. When Jesus appeared to him on that road, Jesus said to Saul, 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 why do you persecute me? So where his church, his body is in trouble, Jesus continues to pray to his father to bring as our king and priest the prayers to God. How wonderful that our King and Savior prays for us and that his Father hears us and we may join this prayer. This can strengthen you in a wonderful way. 
we have our priest in heaven. Prayer doesn't start with you. Prayer is not just, okay, let's pray what comes up in my heart. No, prayer starts with God, with Jesus the King, and with the people praying, and then you join in as, 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 as in a choir. Now, you too may feel sometimes you're surround, surrounded by problems, things you are concerned about, things that attack your faith and that make you waver in your faith. But use this prayer and, um, and see that, 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 that the Lord wants to use it to strengthen you. This brings me to the third use of the psalm. Sing it and strengthen your own heart. While singing it, you will be strengthened. While praying it, he will transform you. He will make you stronger to survive your way. Psalms are there to be used. They're like medicine. For instance, when you go to Psalm 4, you might think, oh, it's quite the same. It's quite similar to Psalm 3. So if you are very intellectual, you might think, okay, I've seen that in Psalm 3, so let's go on. But the psalm is not just intellectual information. The psalm is like a medicine for your heart. So today you need it. For instance, in the morning you need it. In the evening you may need it again. Use the psalms. Hear them and humble yourself. Sing and sever Jesus' heart. Sing and be strengthened so that you can go on. Jesus was rejected by man, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. We are invited by the book of Psalms to enter in through the gate. It's a narrow way. It seems to be a dark way, but it is a way of light. It is a way of joy. It seems that you will be very lonely, but you will find out you are on a pathway with many children of God walking it, and it will end up in glory because our God our Savior is faithful. Amen. Yeah, let's lift our hearts to God and receive the blessing. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship with the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.